Welcome to the April 4th, 2023 podcast of Wisdom Today. Hello, my name is Bill Kelly and I'll be your host today. Today we'll be going over Proverb 4, but before we begin, let's open in prayer. Father God, I thank you for anyone listening to this podcast today. Lord, I pray that you would open their ears to hear and their heart to receive everything you have in store for them today. Lord, I pray that you would give them favor with both God and man. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Proverb 4, beginning in verse 1. Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake the law. When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, Let your heart retain my words, keep my commands, and live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will preserve you. Love her, and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace. A crown of glory she will deliver to you. Hear, my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered, and when you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on, for they do not sleep unless they have done evil, and their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet, and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. Friends, I have a special guest today. This is John Fant, and um, if you do not know him, 
I invite you to go to the first time when John was on, and that was May 31st, and it's a wonderful, wonderful testimony. So if you would, I invite you to listen to that prior to listen to this. But anyway, John, welcome. And just to give the audience uh, uh, knowledge, um, this is actually, we are in November, so we are taping like four months in advance. John, I'd like to welcome you back, and thank you for taking time to come on today. I appreciate it. It's good to be here with you, Bill. All right, John, we just looked at Proverb 4, and uh, Proverb 4 is one of my favorite Proverbs. There's a number of verses that we could talk about. Which verse speaks to you today? Yeah, it's a hard time looking at that, saying any one particular verse. I think there's a theme among the verses that I like, and I think that it points to the heart. There are several verses that talk about, let your heart retain my words. Uh, I think that's a very important thing, and we'll go into that. Uh, It says, receiving my sayings. How do you receive a saying? Well, you receive it in your heart. And in several other places here, it says that you are to keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. They're trying to tell us here that there's a connection between the word and the word that's in your heart. Even where it says, do not let them depart from your eyes, God's words, but keep them in the midst of your heart. That's how you hold on to the sayings of the Lord. They get deposited in your heart. The Bible says that out of the heart are the issues of life, that as as the heart believes, a man speaks. Um, everything comes from the heart. That, And I believe this is kind of directing us to how do we get it there? Wow, that's really good, John. Thanks for that insight. And John, you know, we ended first year uh, at Karis in May. If you would, just kind of give us a, a glimpse of what you did over the summer and how you're enjoying the first couple months here in second year. Yeah, I really missed uh, not being at school every day. <laughs> when you sit under the Word, it's contagious. You, you just want to sit under it more. Uh, so you have to be diligent yourself about making sure you're under there when somebody else is not directing the program for you. So I really missed being at school. I missed y'all, missed my friends. Um, Sherry and I, my wife, we started a cleaning business here that we had in Alabama, but since we moved here and uprooted, we didn't have that here. So we started that, and the Lord's been blessing that. I've been in some of the productions uh, that we did over the summertime, two of them, as a matter of fact. So I had some rehearsals and... uh, just developing that gift that I didn't know was in me until I came here in the first place. But just really, we just kind of enjoyed our summer. We went back to Alabama and got the rest of our stuff because we've moved here uh, as far as we know, know, until the Lord tells us differently. Wow, that is so good, John. I always enjoy talking to you. One of the things um, about second year is uh, we have what are called IAGs, and that means interactive groups. John, you're in my group, and I'm always blessed because, you know, we both kind of have a real kindred spirit of what the Lord has done in our lives. But how important to you is watching the people that are in our group, watching them grow so speedily in what we've done the last four or five weeks? 
Well, we you know we had that group today, and and it's kind of funny that you know you and I were in our DE groups together. The Lord just kind of always pairs us together when we're in things like this. So here we are again, but enjoying the group today, watching what these people have put in their hearts come out of their mouths, and them being unaware that it's even in there. You know, a lot of times people just stay locked up in their head, in their thoughts, in their thinking. And it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If it's not something that you know and you can recite right off the bat, you have this lack of confidence that you're going to be able to speak to a thing or in a certain situation. But the word is different. The word is written on the tablet of our heart. Paul even said in the scriptures, I don't tell you these things because you don't know them. I tell you these things because you do know them. They have been deposited on our heart at new birth. We have to renew our thinking mind through the word on a daily basis, at least we should, because we want to know what God's ways are. Uh, he's told us, your, your ways are not my ways. He tells us that because he wants us to resync our thinking with truth, because over the course of our life, our thinking has been dictated by what others have told us is true. But the word of God reveals what actually is truth in the spirit, which is the root of all things. Wow. You know, so much insight. John, you know, as we're doing second year, it's so clear to me that the teaching of second year is just so much more advanced from first year. If you would, just give the audience kind of a, a sneak preview or, or just a synopsis of what you've learned in our classes so far this year. There's a lot of practical application in second year, uh, where in first year they're really, and they'll say this, it's just you're drinking out of a fire hose of truth that's just being poured into you. Um, I, even this year, as I talk to the first year students, so many of them are so overwhelmed with the knowledge and the information, the truth that's being poured out to them because hitherto they have been believing something contrary to what God has said or what Jesus has done. And I'm talking about things they've learned in church, in religious circles. Um, in second year, what we're doing is taking what we've learned, like I said, with our groups, watching these people blossom not thinking they have something to say, but yet they start, and then the Spirit just kind of reminds them of everything that's been deposited in their heart, and they just pour it out, and it's such a beautiful thing to see. So we're learning to exercise the Spirit of God in us and to let it have its freedom with what's already been deposited in us and trusting that, not trying to be programmed or or to come up with a a program to deliver to somebody we are just speaking and flowing in the spirit in second year in giftings but certainly in the knowledge that has been deposited in our hearts it says here in proverbs proverbs 4 that in all you're getting get understanding that understanding is coming Everything that we've been learning over the past year is now coming together in us because we've been meditating on it day and night. So that understanding now is, is turning that knowledge we had into practical application and wisdom in our lives. 
Well, John, like I said, you're just, everything you say is just so powerful. And, you know, I mention this often on my podcast, is first comes knowledge, and then after that, that will eventually turn into understanding. And after much application of that understanding, wisdom is going to come out. And wisdom is what we truly are seeking. You know, Jesus, when he was in, he was 12 years old, and and I always marvel when I think about the story of Jesus when he's 12 years old and he goes into the synagogue, and yet he had the seat of authority, and he had the power as a 12-year-old. And of course, he was the Son of God, but Philippians tells us that he emptied himself and became fully human. So basically everything Jesus did on earth, he did as a man, even though he was fully God. John, what do you think about mission trip? And I know you're going to be going to Birmingham. If you would, how are you preparing yourself and your group getting ready to head out to Birmingham? So I'm spending time actually connecting with the people in the group uh, through emails and just in person. Um, we're going back to Alabama at the church that I was actually one of the pastors on staff for because the mission organization that we're going to be working with is inside the church. It's headquartered inside the church. So I've worked with that mission organization as well. So I'm kind of letting everybody know what, what to expect. You know, people think here in Colorado that, wow, going to Alabama for a mission trip, that just doesn't seem like a mission trip. That just doesn't seem like something that would be worth my time or exciting or adventurous, like, say, going to the Dominican Republic or something like that or to Hungary. Um, But they have to understand that when Jesus looked down from the cross, he saw all of mankind. He didn't see where they were located. He didn't say who they were, what cultures they were from. He died so that he could be reborn in every man that chooses him, no matter where they are. So every person is precious to him. He's no respecter of persons. He loves us all. If it had just been for one, if it had just been for you, Bill, he would have gone to the cross just to give you the opportunity to be reborn into righteousness. So I think... A lot of times in our head, we look at the glamour of things uh, or the excitement or the adventure of things. But, you know, Jesus didn't look at that. He counted the cost and he said, I have to lay down my life for all of these people to save them, to redeem their lives by my spirit. And every person is worthy. Every person is worthwhile. So I spend my time really kind of getting that message into the people in our group, and just being a support system for them, being there for them, encouraging them, being them, being a cheerleader for them. Well, John, that is so good. And for those of you listening, and I know that word missionary, um, some of you may not like that thought, but I'm going to throw this concept out there that once you open your door every morning, everywhere you go is a mission field. And I don't want anyone to ever forget that. When you go to Publix or you go to the grocery store or you go to the gas station or you go to Trader Joe's, 
That is a mission field, and every single person you meet is a potential candidate to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And one of the things I do, John, is is I ask God for discernment. Um, You know, to me, there's three things you can do. And, you know, what God has gifted me with is, number one, I'm a teacher, as are you. Number two, I'm an encourager. And number three, I'm a soul winner. You know, Proverbs 11.30, he who wins souls is wise. That should be about what we do on a daily basis. But even if the Lord is telling me, do not share me with them, you can still be an encourager, and we can be Jesus in the flesh, even if we don't speak his word. What are your thoughts on that? Well, the truth is we are Jesus in the flesh. We are the manifestation of the Godhead now in bodily form because we are one spirit with him. You know, the scripture is very clear on that, and the church doesn't spend a whole lot of time teaching it, but... You know, in John 1, 12 and 13, it says, As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And then in 1 Corinthians 6, it says, The one who joins himself to the Lord is mingled into one spirit with him. In Colossians, it says, He is the complete fullness of deity, living in human form. And our own completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He's the head of every kingdom and every authority in the universe. That is our identity now. You know, I said this today in class, but he went up on the cross as us so we could come out of the tomb as him in this life. That's really what 1 John 4, 16 and 17 are referring to. God's love was perfected in this, that as Jesus is, so now are we in this earth. He didn't come here to repair us. He came here to replace us with his spirit. That's the authority. That's the power, the rule and reign that we have in this earth. And that is the mystery that that Paul talked about, and it is the revelation of our time. Wow, that, John, that's so good. And, you know, um, our goal every day should become to become more and more like Jesus. Paul states it so well in one of his letters, and he says, It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And I know when he said, he said, you know, it is better for me, you know, I, it, it, I would rather go and be with Jesus right now but it's better for you that I stay. And I'm just going to offer this bit of wisdom to those out there listening. As long as you are on this earth, God has a plan for each and every one of you. And I would start each day with a simple prayer and say, Lord, put someone in my path today that I can be a witness to. That is what we should be going about, and that should be our primary focus every single day. John, let's switch gears just a little bit here. I think you have entered in a basically a contract with uh, Elizabeth Murin, and you are going to be like the leading man on a lot of her things. If you would, just share with us your relationship with Elizabeth and the type of things that you are doing right now. Well, my relationship with the Murins, both Robert and Elizabeth, is something that's developing. 
uh, wow, they are busy people, and they have so much that they oversee at the Bible school and so much vision that the Lord has given them. Um, I haven't even grasped a hold or even heard of all the vision the Lord has given them, but to take this mountain of media and to use it to put Christ before the nations, I mean, that is her goal. And that's why we do what we do. Um, I was telling you earlier, I, I had no idea why the Lord would bring me out here to Karis when I was already pastoring, already been through Bible school twice. I had no idea that when I would arrive in that first week that I would just be, I thought, randomly selected from an audience in first year to just kind of be what they call ensemble cast in a film that they were doing, let alone that I'd end up being a major figure in that moment in that film, and that what God had put in me would come out in that moment. I had no idea that I had any type of real ability to act because I hadn't been put in that theater before. I had no opportunity for that gift that he'd put in me to find its expression. And in Alabama, it never would have. And that's part of why the, why the Lord will move us from one place to another. You know, we, we always think we have the idea of why he'd be doing that. Or I thought I was coming out here because he wanted me to come to school and for relationships. I had no idea that it would lead to exposing something within me that other people recognize as a genuine gifting. And I'm just having fun. I mean, I'm getting feedback from people that are professionals that is really overwhelming to me, but I'm just having fun doing it. And we're presenting a live gospel to the nations, something that people can see, something that they can feel. They touch it with their whole spirit, soul, and body. Now, you can sit in church and you can talk to the mind of a man, and you can also be in church and you can talk to the spirit of a man if the, if the preacher's operating in the spirit. But to be able to, to, to touch all three parts the spirit, soul, and body, media does that. So that's Elizabeth's vision, is to take this gospel using that format, whether it's plays or movies or you know theme parks. I mean, there's all kinds of things that are being discussed uh, where we're going to put a living Jesus in front of people so that they can not only see him, but they can experience him. Well, John, that's so good. I'm, I'm going to go back to Scripture. I, I kind of have a tendency to do that whenever people come on. I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. It says, and he, is, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And, you know, I'm going to reiterate the point that you made. John, many people will never step foot in a church and the thing about it is we're supposed to be Christ in the flesh, as you previously mentioned. But one thing that people will always listen to is music and entertainment. And that's basically what you're doing. And I think it's such a high calling. You know, I'm a teacher, like I said, as you are, but you can do teaching through the parts that you are currently playing 
And I, I understand, I just sense the heart that you have. And if you would, earlier this year in April, you played the part of God and you were on stage. And I, I sit there and think the audience, I, I, want, I want to try to get across to this because I can't imagine what it would be like playing God. I believe you are about a good representation of God as there can be. If you would, give me the innermost feelings of how that part changed your life and how you grew into that role. Such an amazing thing. And and it was something that I've been growing in really all of my life from the time I was a preteen. Even as a Catholic boy, I had a relationship with God. I didn't understand what kind of relationship he wanted with me. But I talked to him. I knew that the word said he was my father. So I would discuss things with him. I didn't necessarily always understand, recognize, or even hear his voice. But I did have relationship with him almost throughout my whole life. And when I first went through Bible school, the gifting of a psalmist, just like David, was present within me. And I've written dozens of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs as the Holy Spirit has given them to me. And that's a very intimate dialogue that happens between me and the Spirit of God. So to be able to play his role with David, but to play his role, that was something I was familiar with because he had fathered me all these years. You know, he wasn't just God to me. He wasn't just teaching me and I was learning about him. He fathered me through life, and he still continues to father me through life because I'm a son. I mentioned this today. You know, Christian is a word that man gave people that followed the way. But he gave us power to become the sons of God, and that's genderless. Whether you're male or female, you want to call it a daughter, that's fine. But I like what uh, Greg Moore says, if I can be a son of God, or if you can be a son of God, I can be a bride of Christ, however he says that. But it's relational. I grew into that role because I was fathered into it. So to be able to see things from his perspective, I mean, there would be times I'd be on stage. And again, I'm putting myself at the mercy of his own feelings in his spirit because he does have feelings and I what are you feeling in this moment Lord I'd be on stage whether it was rehearsal or the live show what are you feeling in this moment I remember the second show we did everybody around is praising and worshiping the father Solomon comes out he's dancing and in that moment I was so connected to the father I literally broke down I could experience their praise as if it was being given to him, given to me in that moment. And I was so overwhelmed. I was just, I was bawling, trying to keep my composure, but I was in the moment. And I felt that was the most important place I could be at that time. I remember Elizabeth, and this was unscripted, she reached over to me because she was playing Bathsheba, and she grabbed my hand. And I just broke down even more as we're walking towards Solomon and we're singing the final song. Um, When they say God is touched, you know, with our feelings, he absolutely is because I experienced it in that moment. Wow, that is really good. And, you know, I feel led to go to Acts chapter 9. 
and Paul, Saul of Tarsus experienced this, and Saul had been a persecutor of Christians. He even saw that some of them are going to be killed, and yet in chapter 9, he had an experience with the Spirit of Jesus, and the great light came down from heaven, and it just knocked him flat off his donkey or whatever he's riding on, and he became blind, and he said, And Jesus asked him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And over over three days, Ananias prayed for him. Paul received his sight back. And I'm going to go to Acts chapter 9. Later in that same chapter in verse 20, it says, Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Paul got a realization that very few people in life truly get. John, you've gotten that revelation. I have gotten that revelation, but so few people ever truly see who God truly is. John, I'd like to ask you, where do you see yourself going forward as you continue in this process? Well, I definitely see me working with the Murins uh, and doing things there. Um, I see things, I mean, our nation is in complete disarray. Um, so I actually see things, you know, doing them with my wife to affect practical change in our nation. Not sure what that looks like, so I can't really speak to it at this moment. Uh, but having an impact, a grassroots impact, a lot of that has to do with teaching, uh, and grounding people in truth because, you know, we're, we're a nation that has lost sight of truth, um, so definitely that I'm a teacher, so you know I I would love to be able to have that forum open to me where I can, you know, whether it's Bible studies, it doesn't have to be a pulpit, you know. I just I want to be able to speak truth to people because it is truth that sets people free. There's nothing else in the Word that sets people free. The Word is very specific. Prayer doesn't set people free. It's truth that sets people free. You know, God made everyone as a believer. Doesn't you know? We use that as if it's a Christian term. Well, He's a believer. No, everybody that's born on the planet is a believer. Everyone believes something, and their life is ordered according to what they believe. Jesus even said that to people: "As you have believed, so be it done unto you." And going right back to Proverbs four, verse twenty-three, it says, "We are to keep our heart with all diligence." That's intentionality. For out of it, our heart, flow the issues of life. That is the effect that I want to have with my life and all of these different things. And really, that's what discipleship is all about, bringing people to a point where they can be discipled that the word of the Lord sinks into their heart because that will transform them. Well, John, that's so powerful. And, you know, um, I just want to make this uh, reminder of people. A lot of people feel that, you know, the goal in life basically is to just give their heart to Jesus, receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and that's it. And a lot of times, a lot of people in this world, John, do that, and they end it there, and they don't understand the word discipleship. 
I truly believe we're doing people more harm than good if all we do is lead people in the sinner's prayer and we get them to say this simple prayer and we, we, we get all excited. Some people actually get excited by that. And that's what Proverbs 11.30 tells us, that he who wins souls is wise. So you get wisdom, you get somebody, you put a little notch in your hat. But we can't let these people go. If we let these people go and don't follow up with them, they're going to be worse off than they were before. Your thoughts on that, John? Yeah, if we don't capture their heart, Bill, then it's all for nothing. And we've led people to believe that a simple decision or a simple declaration in a moment that could even be driven by the flesh in the moment uh, makes them something that it literally takes a heart belief to accomplish. I can say all day long, I'm a car, I'm a car, I'm a car, I'm a car. I'm not a car. I'll never be a car. There are people that are being told, well, if you confess Jesus as your Lord, they don't even know what that means. Even in this life, if you're going to make a contract with somebody, in order for it to be valid, both parties need to understand all the terms of the contract and what they mean. We have not done our due diligence in the church in getting people synced up with what Jesus actually has done, why Christianity is even a thing. Going back to the garden, the two Adams. If you don't understand why Christianity is a thing, then you can choose anything. Jesus is here to fix something. He is here because we were born into slavery and there's no way out other than him. But we don't teach it that way. We just simply tell them, oh, you need Jesus. You don't want to go to hell. You got that fiery guy with the pitchfork and the red suit. and It's bad, believe me. You don't want to be there. So confess Christ and you'll be saved. They have no idea who he is. If, if out of the heart flow the issues of life, we need to get the issues of his life into their heart so that it can come back out. And you don't do that with a simple declaration. That's where discipleship comes into play, and that's why Jesus said we were to make disciples of men, not converts. You know, and, and John, my, my idea is this. A lot of people will sit there and say, I make you Lord of my life. And as you're saying, that, that doesn't mean, what does that mean? What does that look like? And I mentioned this a few days ago on a previous podcast, is this, okay? If you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's like, Jesus, come, let's go for a ride. Let's go to the ball game together. You know, Jesus, you sit in the passenger seat. That's not making him Lord of your life. Lord of the life is saying, Jesus, you hear the keys to my car. Here's the keys to my life. You take me where you want to take me. Very, very few people do that, John. Your thoughts on that? I think in the natural, you know, a lot of people have uh, father hurts because they're dealing with natural man. And they attribute what they have experienced with natural man to the father who is supernatural. We cannot take what we have experienced into this life and use it as a template for what God in, God intends for a spiritual... Jesus came to give us life, an abundant life. What does that look like? It's a, it's a relational journey. It's, it's, it's intimacy with him. 
It's as Adam and Eve did, walking with him in the cool of garden. He actually wants to spend time with us. He wants to love us. He wants to delight in us. And, and he already does, but when I, when I say that, he wants us to experience the fullness of our salvation that Christ has provided. But if we don't understand what Jesus came to do and why he came to do it, then we'll never be able to experience or even know that it can be experienced. John, that is so good. Um, One person who understood that was John the Baptist. I'm going to go to the Gospel of John, chapter 3, beginning in verse 27. These are John the Baptist's words. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom, a voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. John, John the Baptist got this. John's disciples came to him and they were concerned because people were going to Jesus instead of to him. But John understood he was simply a forerunner of Jesus. He got it. What are your thoughts on that? You know, that makes me think of a story when I was first diagnosed with uh, large B-cell non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And the Lord was telling me, I want you to do healing school at the church, a church that didn't believe in healing. And a church where the pastor's father had died of cancer, where the pastor's wife's mother and father had died of cancer. And I remember saying to the Lord, and this is, this relates to what you're saying. So I remember saying to him, what do you want me to say to these people? They don't believe in healing. They've experienced all this death at the level of the pastor's own family. What do you want me to say when they come to you, come to me and say, this doesn't work. This doesn't make sense. And the Lord simply said to me by the Spirit, I don't need you to defend me. I just need you to point them to my son. And that's exactly what John the Baptist knew. He knew that he was there to point people to the one who was the answer. And that is so good. John, we're, we're winding down. This is what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to share with the audience anything else that you would like to encourage them with and then give an invitation for anyone who has yet to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So there's two things I'd like to say, two scripture verses, and the first one will be in Ephesians 1 and 3. I'm going to read this from the Passion. This is your inheritance, that every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful Heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus, all because He sees us wrapped up into Christ. 
That is why we celebrate him with all of our hearts. And then in Ephesians 1, 8, 9, and 11, this superabundant grace is already powerfully working in us, releasing all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. And through the revelation of the anointed one, he unveiled his secret desires to us, the hidden mystery of his long-range plan, which he was delighted to implement from the very beginning of time. Through our union with Christ... We, too, have been claimed by God as his own inheritance. Before we were even born, he gave us our destiny, that we would fulfill the plan of God who always accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. It goes right back to the heart, even the heart of the Father. Uh, so I want to leave the audience with that. You are loved in such a, an amazing way, um, beyond all you could ask, think, or imagine. He loves you. God is love. The genesis of your existence on this earth is the fulfillment of the Father. If he is love, he desires something to love. He created you, and he finds his fulfillment in you. Boy, there's a lot of people in the church that would think that's a heretical statement. But as much as God can fulfill you in life, you have fulfilled him simply because you were born. He created you to lavish love upon you. And I want you to wake up each day thinking to yourself and, and, and asking the Father, how can I let you love me today? Because most people are focused on how they can love him. And honestly, they're, they're not really capable of loving him in the way that he is capable of loving them. I don't know that he necessarily cares whether he whether we love him or not, because um, love doesn't take account of whether it's loved back. He just wants to love you, and he wants you to experience the fullness of everything that Jesus has done for you. And that's that's what discipleship is about: finding out what he has said in his word and what Jesus has done on his cross. That is your inheritance, and that is the life that he desires for you to live out each and every day. So for anybody that's listening to this podcast that is not a part of this kingdom life that we've been discussing, this wonderful love life, I'm not going to give the traditional sinner's invitation because I want you to understand something. Everybody that was born was born into Adam. They were born into sin. They were born into the kingdom of darkness. They were born as slaves. I was there at one point. I was born. I had no say in it. There was nothing that I did to be placed there. I was simply born into a bloodline that was slaves. What Jesus came to do was to redeem us from that. He is called in the Bible the second or the last Adam. He came to undo everything that Adam did when he was tempted in the garden. Because when he was tempted in the garden, everyone fell. Everyone has their genesis back to first Adam. That's why there's a rebirth. We were reborn again for those of you who want to make that transition into this wonderful life, into the kingdom of heaven given power to become now the sons of God and not slaves of Satan, that's the choice that I'm inviting you to make today. And that is a choice that 
was given to you by Christ being on the cross. He went up on the cross literally as you, bearing your unrighteousness, bearing the condition and the state that you were born into. Again, through no fault of your own, simply through birth. Jesus has now come. He has taken that, wants to take that old nature that you were born with upon him, put it to death. I mean, literally, we become crucified with Christ. In fact, there's a verse, uh, you mentioned it, Bill, Galatians 2.20, and in the Passion, it says, my old identity has been co-crucified with Christ and no longer lives. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me, dispersing his life into mine. That's what Christianity is about. That's what Jesus came to do. And that's what I want to invite you to do is just say to the Lord, I want to learn more about you. I want this life that you have to offer me and then press into him. That will transform you. The word of truth will transform you. It will set you free and it'll make you one with his firstborn son. You'll be no longer a slave. You will be a son. That's what this invitation is. Leave your slavery behind and enter into sonship with a God who loves you. Thanks, John. You know, I will have you on again before the end of the year in May. And remember, even though this is broadcast April 4th of 2023, today is actually in November of 2022. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Friends, Please join me again tomorrow as we further explore wisdom today.